Hello, space nerds. Welcome to Raktagino and Root Beer, a Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm Matthew. And I'm Michael. On this podcast, we are reviewing every Deep Space Nine episode from the pilot to the finale. It'll be so exciting, it's going to give you umox. Pull up a chair and join in the discussion over some Raktagino and Root Beer. If you would like to contact us, set hailing frequencies to rrds9podcast at gmail.com. Today on the show, we are going to review Season 3, Episodes 13 and 14, Life Support and Heart of Stone. Michael, why don't you uh, give us a brief synopsis of Life Support while mm. music gently plays yes. in the background? Uh, <laughs> Matthew's neighbors are listening to some Curtis Mayfield out there, some Superfly, I think, so this will be a, a, a even more cool episode of <laughs> Ractagino and Root Bear. So in Episode 13, Life Support... Um, there's a, it's a double plot episode in, in plot A. Uh, they get uh, an alert that, that a uh, transport vessel carrying Bejorans, uh there's been some sort of accident or an explosion on board. And it's also preventing them from um, directly transporting and beaming the people on board into emergencies. So it docks with DS9 and, and they, they get people out. And those people include Kaiwen and Vedic Braille, who has been uh, seriously injured. And essentially, he, this radiation has flooded his body, and, uh, and it's doing damage to his, uh, his synaptic nerves, I believe. Uh, so yeah. uh, Dr. Julian Bashir rush, rushes him to ER. He's, he's uh, where Braille is pronounced dead. Uh, and miraculously, however, there's still some sort of neurons uh, firing away that, that uh, Bashir notices just as they're about to do the autopsy. Uh, so this plot uh, is interesting because it, it has to do, it comes to light that, that uh, Vedic Wynn and, uh, uh, sorry, Kai Wynn, excuse me, and Vedic Braille uh, were on their way to a secret meeting with Cardassian uh, Central Command to, to hammer out a possible peace treaty. And Braille has been uh, crucial to this, to, to the negotiations. And Kaiwen feels like she can't succeed without his help. So it becomes this ethical issue where uh, Bashir is doing this, this experimental treatment on Braille to keep him going, but it's actually causing him damage uh, to his organs, eventually to his brain. Eventually, uh, he, Part of his brain shuts down, and they have to replace it with the positronic parts. Uh, and uh, it, it's this issue with if uh, where Bashir is trying to protect his patient, uh, and Kai Wen needs him to complete the peace treaty, and also for her Machiavellian reasons, where yeah. if it fails, uh, uh, she can blame Burrell. And Burrell uh, is being. Uh, selfless in that, well, he 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 wants the peace treaty to to work at, at the cost of his own life if if necessary, and also Kira is also is caught in the middle of this where she, she's in love with Braille and she doesn't want him to die, so the peace treaty is eventually uh, hammered out. Uh, it's a success, but at that point Braille's entire brain shuts down. And a decision is made uh, to let him die rather than to completely replace his brain with a positronic brain. Uh, in the B plot, it's, things are a little bit lighter, I have to say. Yes, <laughs> Where, there's a little bit of contrast. Yeah. 
so it's it's uh, we have uh, Jake uh, going out on a date with uh, Leanne and uh, Nog gets his friend Nog gets very excited because Nog says well I can join you and do do a double date mm -hmm. the date goes horribly wrong because of how Frankie treat women and uh, Jake is tries to repair uh, his friendship with Nog or patch things over and and and, and accept each other's differences so it's essentially we get these two kind of peace treaty, you know, uh, peace accord. You're so good plots. at tying the plots yeah, together. Well, like they seem so different. No, I, I, I think, I think, uh, I think uh, that that's the idea that they both have to do with with uh, peace agreements, essentially, and that's it. And that's it. So, what do you think of this episode? Um, th this it was really nice to see uh, Bashir in a likable light. Where yes. it was a, it was a, it was an episode where he got to do a lot and he came across really well, which was which was a nice change. Yeah, well, they're I mean they're definitely going for a rehabilitation of Bashir at this point, and the actor Alexander Sadiq uh, have mentioned this, like he said that this season was where his character got rehabilitated from being mm. the annoying, irritating guy to someone who you could actually like. Yeah, I, I much prefer this Bashir to the old one. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to his character. He's just kind of like, I'm doing the, the right thing mm. kind of thing. So it's it's kind of watering his character mm. down a little bit. But um, yeah, I guess he's more likable. Uh, thankfully, uh, Kai Wen, there's no such rehabilitation with her character. She's still sinister and evil. And I really love her character in this, where... Even Cisco is surprised that, that she's playing nice with, with um, Vedic Brow. With Vedic Brow, and uh, and Bashir basically figures out that she's just being incredibly selfish. I mean, I it's it's more complicated than that. She is pushing for a peace treaty with the Cardassians. You cannot argue against yeah. that. But on but underneath that, she's always looking out for her political interests, for her, yeah. for her own legacy. Yeah. Uh, so her sort of true true self is always there underneath underneath the the yeah and what i like about uh louise fletcher and uh, vedic win sakai win is that yeah there is she has agendas underneath but you're never quite sure what her agenda is you're mm. not quite sure whether she is like a good-hearted person who's kind of going the wrong direction well i mean she did try to kill Vedic. yeah Vedic she tried to kill him <laughs> don't <laughs> there, was a, there was that one case of assassination or but I attempted mean, assassination yeah so there was it's a little confusing at the beginning of this episode because she mm. does seem to be a much nicer person but then of course bashir reveals all rips her mask off mm. and there is something really horrible about what she forces to have happened to vet uh to vedic Baral. Mm -hmm. like she's basically like she robs him of his humanity. Yeah, or his Bajoranity. Yeah, Bajoranity. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and she kind of is basically like slowly turning him into a monster. Yeah. Uh, the, the that scene is absolutely chilling when um, when they reawaken him and he's got half of his brain is now positronic, and uh, Kira 
touches his hand and, and he says, you know, something's different. It's more of a memory of what that's like. I mean, it's that was creepy as hell. Yeah, it is super creepy. I remember that, actually. Mm. I remember this episode. I felt very sad when Vedic Broil um, died in, when I was a little kid. Yeah. Because I liked him, probably because I was a little bit turned on by him. But uh, now that I'm watching it again, I'm not as upset by his death. It was a little <laughs> yeah. bit lackluster. Uh, but that scene still has a creepiness to it. Like, I, I, I would think about that scene for, like, weeks afterwards. Mm. I, I, I also wanted, uh, on the subject of Kai Wen, I, I like that she's obsessed with power. Everything's a power struggle with her. Mm-hmm. And she, she doesn't like anybody um, uh, countering her. So there's, she's done this before uh, uh, with Kira, where Kira said something to her and she said, I won't forget that you said that. Yeah. And it was like, you know, uh-oh. And she does the same thing to Bashir. Like, I won't for- Like, she ba- she apparently has a very good memory uh, oh. because I'm sure a lot of people tell her off. Yeah, I know. She's probably got a whole list of people. Yeah. Like, is she going to go through it all? It's yeah. a bit like... I hate to say it, it's been like Trump, you know, his whole, like, I'm going to make you an enemy, or you're going to be on my enemies list now. It's it's, like an endless list of enemies. It's it's interesting that you bring up Trump, because I I find people with that personality, they're obsessed with appearances, and they're they're constantly trying to control how other people see them, which is impossible. Um, and when that fails and when people are, are, are mocking them, they just lose it. And it's all, you know, a revenge thing. It's, yeah, it's yeah. me against you. Uh, and, and Kai Wins, uh, seems to be very similar. She's obsessed with, with, uh, being Kai, with being respected. Yeah. And I think with having her own way, she likes things her own way. She believes very strongly in her the rightness of her own position mm-hmm. and uh and yeah I, I i like her as a character i'm always happy when she's on um vedic Barail, even in this episode he's having such a crucial kind of moment he's dying mm-hmm. and i still don't feel like i really knew him you know i don't feel like i really understood his character or who he was or what he meant mm-hmm. And I think some of the scenes between him and Kira were robbed of some pathos because there wasn't much, like they didn't have much chemistry and they also didn't give Kira scenes to like do anything, to Mm. like, um, to express, she had this, the ending scene where she's like crying and everything, but when she first thought he died, it was a little bit like abrupt. She's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go back to work. Like, right. Are you going to do a little bit more than that? But I guess they just wanted to move the episode along, but it just felt like it was underwritten. Right. So, and, and I felt that too, and we're going to talk about, um, the next episode where there's kind of a, a deeper connection between two characters and you can tell that, Nana Visitor really feels the the motion in the next episode. In this one, it felt like it was a struggle for her to really convey the sadness mm. of the scene. And so I felt like I I felt in general kind of a little bit neutral. Yeah. I, I I agree. I the end I thought it was still a good ending. Um because yeah. the the that decision that Bashir but it it was for me Bashir conveyed more of the emotion where where he's begging her not to fight him on on yeah. on letting uh, 
Braille die. I, I thought that that was well done. Yeah, and the moment where she was describing, you know, the first time I met you, that I, that genuinely had some pathos to it. Um, but considering what was happening, I felt like the amount of emotion was kind of uh, lowered, and I think a lot of it had to do with they just Kira didn't have scenes to do mm. certain work for the emotion. Were, were you interested in the ethical dilemma of keeping him alive to, to finish the peace treaty? or? Well, I, I don't think it's much of a dilemma. I think Kai mm. Wen was doing an awful thing. Yeah. But I think, it was, I think it was like an interesting tension to have. You know, he's, as he repeatedly said, my only concern is my patient. And, you know, Kai Wen is saying this is for all of Bajor. Yeah. My problem with it, if they needed more urgency to it. Like they needed it to be like, if we don't sign this peace treaty, then we're going to go back to war. Mm-hmm. Whereas it seemed like this was just out of the blue and they just randomly wanted to sign a peace treaty. It's, it's true. I, I kept wondering, can't they just put it off for a week? Yeah. I mean, I mean, why is time such an, a crucial part of this? Yeah. yeah. So they could have easily written that in. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, I felt like I, I wrote that there's, it lacks a little heat. There wasn't enough urgency mm. in what was happening. So sometimes I felt like I was being forced into the moral quandaries. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, I, that tension between the patient and the person, and the patient themselves and what they want mm. was, was interesting. Should we go over to the uh, to the next peace treaty between Jake and Nog? Before we do, mm-hmm. we should mention that Kira has new hair. In this oh yes, we actually Matthew and I actually talked about this before we hit record, but uh, um, I really like her new haircut. I think yeah. it looks very good on her. Yeah, um, it's slightly more relaxed. It's more relaxed. You know what I like about it too? It's um, it's masculine, and I know it's weird to. I, well, I like when women have kind of masculine features or look like they're crossing kind of gender boundaries. And I think it, it does something cool for her. Yeah, it I, think it, it, I think it looks good. It makes her, it gives her more edge. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it just seems more professional. I don't know. Like it, it makes, they've also kind of cut down on the eyeshadow a little bit. So she looks more like a military person rather than yeah. know, sometimes like like an 80s uh, pop singer or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I also wanted to mention that the surgical gowns, uh, oh, they very, the, very the dead bright, Yeah, the red. Oh, like, oh, the Cronenberg. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I never realized that before. Um, but they, it was also in an episode of Next Generation mm-hmm. when uh, Worf had his spinal injury. Mm-hmm. You saw... Crusher. Yeah, they had the same outfit. Yeah. yeah. Why they need those red outfits, who knows? It looks like they're they're at some sort of church or something, you know, like some weird... Yeah, that, uh, that's, that means serious surgery. Yeah. That's really bad. I like the medical babble um, that was going on between Bashir and the, the, the Bajoran nurse. And mm-hmm. I, I thought the Bajoran nurse did a good job. They both had the right amount of intensity, like, we're operating on someone, you know? Yeah. Uh, those scenes were good. Although, once again, the Bajorans appear to have literally identical physiology to humans. Mm. 
I, I liked it. It had a little bit of a touch of Frankenstein to it, where he was shocking him with electricity. Yeah, yeah, and apparently Frankenstein was a, a, a inspiration for this episode. Oh, okay. And yeah. Um, and yeah, and I think it was interesting to like, you know, they barely skated by it, but that whole idea of oh, what happens if you do replace someone's brain with, mm-hmm. um, uh, with something else? basically has the person basically died and and it's weird you know what percentage is required for a person to still exist as a person or well that that's a what's that well that's like that philosophical conundrum where you have a ship and over over several over its lifetime every single piece of it is repaired and replaced so is is that ship still Still itself, or, yeah. or what gives it its identity or its essence? It's it's shipness. It's shipness. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I thought that was interesting, and but Bashir characterized it as that spark of life. Yeah, like that's very of, vague. Yeah, yeah, and they skated over it. They didn't really talk about it too much. Maybe if they'd kind of expanded on it, or the that had been more of the focus, then it'd be kind of more interesting. Mm. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, apart from that, I don't have much else to say about that plot. Uh, and yeah, the mm. other plot was, as you mentioned, much lighter, yeah. <laughs> much more comedic plot, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious what you think about this one. Uh, because, I, yeah, well, go please, go ahead. I actually was okay with it. Mm. I felt like Nog was suddenly like very strange like he didn't realize that humans would have all sorts of problems with the way he was behaving you know? right and i mean he explained it away a little bit by saying oh well on our world we get the, the women to chew our food first so i was <laughs> trying to be nicer to you but he, it really did paint him as just the jerk of the situation yeah he sounds he says horrible things at this date yeah Horrible things. Yeah, and I mean, this is one of the issues that we, is a continuing issue with the Ferengi, is that, you know, no matter how much you want to find them lovable, they are incredible misogynists. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are awful in that respect. So it's hard to kind of square the circle with this, like sometimes when you're like, oh, let's try to see them as a nice species, but at the same time, they're kind of awful. So I, so... I was really interested in how this plot would resolve itself more so than the other plot because yeah. because it was set up as uh, where Jake and, and and Nog were at odds and Nog really said some almost unforgivable things. So I was wondering what Cisco would would tell him uh, would tell Jake and Cisco is basically, oh well you know uh, they have different customs. The Frangie's a Frangie. You should talk it out before this problem just gets worse. Yeah. Um, Talk it out before you walk it out. But the things that Nog said were so horrible. They didn't even address it, really. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I can kind of understand what Cisco is saying in the sense that if you are, I mean, this is, if we were dealing with humans, Mm. we kind of always expect all humans to have the same perspective on things. But if we did really encounter alien species, we would have to get to a place where sometimes we'd be like, I don't know what you're doing there. That's awful. Mm. But we couldn't force our views on them. Yeah. And so if we wanted to maintain a friendship with them, we would have to, in some ways, allow them to do things that are not so great. And so I guess that's what Cisco's standing up for. Mm. And, yeah, and Jake apologizes to Nog. Yeah. Like, why does Jake apologize? 
I think because he wants to get the whole ball rolling. I, I clearly didn't learn my lesson in this, and which is that they found common ground, they accepted their differences, and they moved on. Yeah, there was a sad moment where uh, Jake is like, our differences are just going to get worse as we get older, which is like a sad moment, sad thing to note. Hmm. Um, yeah, so that's weird and awkward. I do have to say, I like the idea of teens on DS9. <laughs> I love <laughs> like, it so like much. Like the, the Degrassi yeah. junior high element to like, it? Like, it's yeah. almost like a Dawson's Creek. Or Degrassi on, high. Yeah. D- a Dawson's Creek on DS9. Like, when they have their little date, mm. I wish we saw more, like, teenage dates. <laughs> with like With, like, um, like, that other alien girl. And I love it. It's like... Yeah. They're, they're, they're like... We're so open-minded. We hang out with other alien species, and we eat at the Klingon restaurant. You know, yeah. like I think it's I think it's kind of cute. Uh, I I really enjoyed that that dating scene as well. They, it was really funny to see these kids. Yeah. And I have to say, Jake now must be the tallest being in the entire galaxy. <laughs> I know. I know. He he's getting taller. He's like taller. eight feet tall. I know. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So it was a weird resolution. Um, denouement resolution or whatever you want to call it but uh and apparently the the director and writers of this episode were not happy with the the finished product because they were like it's so depressing with the other plot and then you're like yeah it's a little too upbeat yeah but um i was to be honest i I, uh, it was nice again it was nice to see bashir in, in a likable way for me uh, but this episode, and and you know what, I was kind of sad that Braille uh, kicked the bucket. Yeah. But as, aside from that, this episode wasn't that great for me. Yeah, I didn't really. I was not crazy about it either. Apparently, when it first aired, there was a a group that contacted Deep Space Nine called the Friends of Vedic Braille, and they were very <laughs> upset about his death. Oh no. Yeah, and uh, I think you know. I, as I said, when I was younger, I really liked him, but thinking about him now in terms of his character on the show, he doesn't bring a lot because he doesn't, he, he was kind of exciting when there was that whole, um, power struggle between Vedic Wynn and him. Yeah. But after that, it became very unclear as to how his character would fit into the universe. And so... I think the writers were just like, ah, I don't know what to do. Let's just kill him. It'll yeah. just add some pathos. So, so yeah, I wasn't that crazy about this episode either. It was okay. Well, let's move on to uh, episode 14 of this fine season number three, Heart of Stone. <laughs> Matthew, could you please give the synopsis? Okay. So we open on Kira and Odo uh, using one of the runabouts. Hopefully they didn't just ask to use it and then <laughs> run away with it uh, for some random task. No, they, I guess it was for something official because they were uh, helping out a new colony called Prophet's Landing, which is near the Cardassian border. Mm. And uh, uh, they were helping out, but they were flying back. And on their way back, they noticed that a Maquis ship was attacking uh, something. I can't even remember what. And they follow the McKee ship in, onto the small moon, and they go to pursue the uh, t- uh, the the Maquis member. And of course, as anyone would do in this situation, they split up because they need to <laughs> search the moon as quickly as possible. When as soon as they split up, Kira 
seems to get her foot caught in what she thinks is a hole, but is actually a growing crystal. Mm. And then throughout this episode, this crystal slowly starts to encompass her. And despite all of Odo's best efforts, he can't get her out of the crystal. And he thinks she's going to die. And in some of the crucial moments before what he thinks is going to be her certain death, they share some secrets with one another. One that he shares with Kira is that he loves her. And then she responds back that she loves him. Uh, this, however, makes Odo realize that something is wrong mm -hmm. because he's like, no, Akira uh, doesn't love me. And he realizes instead that she is the she is a changeling and it's the female changeling come to test Odo to see what his allegiance to the Alpha Quadrant species is. Mm. And uh, she thinks it's all about Kira. He threatens her with uh, explosion, uh, with vaporization, uh, the changeling, mm. and the changeling uh, relents and lets him take Kira away, and so they escape. So that's plot A. Plot B was uh, Nog approaches Cisco at the beginning of the episode, offers him what appears to be a bribe, and... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And uh, says that he's basically... Uh, achieved adulthood in mm. the Frankie culture and now he needs an apprenticeship his apprenticeship that he wants to undertake is the uh, he wants to join Starfleet Cisco at first is very wary about this request thinking that it's some sort of scheme or attempt to uh, trick him but uh, he eventually manages to he puts him through a ser series of tests and then he comes to realize that Nog really does want to join Starfleet and he does uh, create a letter recommendation for him, and and then that's it. For Nicely us. done. So what did what did you think of this episode? Um, I had some problems with it, but overall I liked it. Mm. I thought it had some good moments in it. Um, the Nog subplot was really good. Yes, it was really really good. I I thoroughly enjoyed I it. I one hundred percent agree with you. Yeah, and uh, the Kira and Odo one had some good moments. Mm. It was um, it wasn't my favorite, but clearly the two actors love working with one another, and so they can actually they 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 generate emotion with one another so well, mm. and and of course. Having the scary female changeling on is always a bonus. She's terrifying in her blandness, in her in her business casual outfits. Yeah, um, and yeah, so I liked it. I I totally agree with you. The uh, the nog thing I thought was so well done. Yeah. And there's a scene where where um, uh, the actually let me start at the start. The the scene where he's helping his father, um, Rom restore a replicator for uh, that's not in work. The, that's not in the that's like in the middle sorry uh not at the start in the middle yeah it's such a lovely scene where oh, yeah. he, where he sees his own father being berated and humiliated by his uncle quark yeah and it's i mean it's just a you feel so horrible uh you feel shame and 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 it and you i i think that the the writer i think it was actually iris stephen bear who who wrote this episode, right? Yeah. Or, or co-wrote it? I'm not sure. I'm not I, sure. But he loves he, the Ferengi. He did such a good job with this, where you kind of figure you figure out before uh, before Cisco does, like that his reasons are honorable for for joining Starfleet. Yeah. And he'd actually be quite good at it, 
and you you cheer you kind of cheer him on and 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 you're rooting for him it's like when when cisco says okay i'm gonna try and you know get him to forget this by by getting him to take an inventory of uh the cargo bay that's filled with stuff and you know that he's going to be amazing at it because his his entire existence is taking inventory for his uncle <laughs> and like that's what frankies are good at like counting money and taking inventory so as soon as he so as soon as cisco said you know that's what i want you to do i was like yes come on buddy like you're gonna yeah. do such a good job at this yeah and he kind of you know jizia is like oh you know poor you just do it by tomorrow morning and he says i'm gonna do it by tonight i'll give you this <laughs> this list in five hours yeah. and it turns out that not only has he done a complete inventory but he's uncovered things that that a group of uh starfleet officers actually missed yeah yeah, yeah. so there are lovely scenes in there and yeah. i love the pressure cooker where cisco is trying to figure out why he wants to join starfleet and it's that scene where he just gets a matter and matter to get a real res- like a truthful response out of him yeah, yeah, yeah. which it which is mirrors the other plot where where uh odo just gets gets kind of like literally there's pressure in that one against uh against the fake kira yeah that forces odo to, to admit that he loves kira it's, it's yeah it was really nicely done um and i liked uh yeah the scene with Cisco and Nog is amazing. It's a mm. great, great scene. Uh, the actor Nog acts the crap out of that scene. And yeah. I was later reading about it, and the actor, I can't remember his name, uh, he he says that's one of his best acting moments mm. ever he's, in his entire acting career. He's good. He's good. And he said, Avery Brooks, um, he said, Avery Brooks did a great job because mm. when they rehearsed it, he had never grabbed Nog, but then uh, when they were filming it, and then the moment he just grabbed Nog and shook him, mm. and that like brought more intensity to the scene, and so and, they really fed off of each other. Yeah, and apparently, apparently, uh, he was saying that Avery Brooks, as an actor, really helps. Like he really generates good connections with his fellow actors. Mm. Like he brings an intensity to scenes. And so, and it, and it worked. It was a great, it was a great scene. And really, there's so much pathos in yeah. that. You know, that feeling of, of watching something incredibly unfair happening in your family. And feeling, as you said, shame. Mm. Feeling that, that burning shame. And being a young person. And wishing that you could, in some way, change the lives of the older people around you. But you're going to do it by living your own life in your own way you right know? and i think that's a really uh it's a it's a powerful thing you know it, it also made the payoff so sweet at the end of it with uh nog and his father oh yeah where nog said i'm i'm off to starfleet and quark says no you're not and he's and he goes well you're not my father and then quark quark says fine rom you tell your son and rom says like congratulations i'm so proud of you yeah. it's amazing yeah no, it's really Mom's sweet. Mom's a good dad. He's a good dad. And, uh, you know, and that whole moment where Nog goes, you know, my father's a mechanical genius. Yeah. He could have been an engineer. And instead, the best thing he's ever going to hope for is one day possibly getting his brother's bar. And, you know, and that captures some of, like, the pathos that we all feel in our mm. lives about, you know, wanting something great and 
sometimes we see people accepting less than they should have. Yeah. And uh, and and I think too, and the scene with Cisco and Nog, like Cisco's so big, and Nog is so tiny, mm-hmm. so small. But there's like that feeling that, you know, how sometimes smaller people or or uh, have a great deal of power inside them, like a mm-hmm. great deal of of strength, mm-hmm. and I don't know, like the you know, and we we all want to root for the underdog, and and Nog in that scene is an underdog. You know, he's he's. Cisco says, "Like you, we, I never expect a Ferengi to be wanting to go into Starfleet. Like mm-hmm. he's already already dismissed him, and and probably so many people would dismiss him automatically. But yet he has so much strength and power in that moment when he's like, no, I want to do this, and I'm going to do this. Mm. You know, and um, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. It was such a great moment, a great scene. It shows why the Ferengi, the Ferengi have been completely rehabilitated. They're by far some of the most interesting aliens on the show. Yes. You know, and uh, yeah, and yeah, I have like nothing else to say about that, I, that I, part. I, I also think it's interesting that, that this episode is more enjoyable than the, than the first one that, that we do, we've done on this uh, podcast episode. Uh, and the first one was way more had actual science fiction elements with yeah. with the positronic brain. Uh, this one, it it doesn't like this crystal that's growing around Kira. It's meaningless. She she could have just had her foot caught in a crevice or a crack while uh, you know and and gone stuck there while the cave was collapsing in on itself. Like it didn't have to be a growing crystal. And yeah. that wasn't interesting at all until you realized that it was uh, a changeling. Yeah. Like, and what made this episode was so so good was the actual human relationships or the frangy human relationships. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's it's in, it, yeah for a science fiction show to 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 be good despite not having many science fiction elements is really interesting. Yeah. What did you think of uh, the Kira Odo subplot? Um. I, 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 I haven't really been interested to to be frank about the Odo spurn love for Kira kind of thing. Yeah. Like I like I like Odo as a character, and I and I'm really interested in his relationship with Quark, and I think that's a more interesting relationship than him and Kira. Although you said previously that they're sort of the heart of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you there, but I just I I just don't like the kind of romantic interest in Kira. It, it doesn't do, do anything for me. So, but I don't know. you felt differently before. When, mm. Remember that scene in the previous episode where Kira pretended to be her lover, Odo? And then he looked oh, at her Oh, and he touched hand. her hand? Yeah, and then yeah. he looked at his, his hand afterwards. Um, yeah, I did like that scene, but, but I think I liked that scene not because it was Kira. It was because... It was interesting whether or not he could actually experience touch, and that whole scene. No, seriously, <laughs> that whole scene was about sensuality, right? Yeah. And you're not sure what what he feels. So I thought that that's why that was interesting. In in this thing, I I I did like the effects, and I liked the giant crystal thing. Apparently, and, everyone and, on the show hated it. Really? Yeah. And Nana Visitor was like really in trouble there. <laughs> she was acting pretty well, I thought. Yeah. Uh, it looked. It actually looked really terrifying to be in that situation. Yeah, I liked. I, well, I like the idea of something mm-hmm. that starts out as almost just an annoyance, mm-hmm. 
and then slowly become something horrible. Yeah. Like, that whole idea. I think that is a terrifying idea. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, he took it from... I received Bear took it from a Ken Casey uh, novel, uh, Sometimes a Great Notion. Mm. And in it, one of the characters gets his foot caught in a, a log, and then water slowly starts to rise up, and he drowns. Right. And so, yeah, like you said, it, it doesn't require a science fiction element. It's mm-hmm. just a simple... That simple idea of a, mm. of a slowly... Of a trap slowly... Um, killing you mm. making a stupid mistake and then slowly killing being killed because of it mm. um, uh, yeah I mean uh, I I liked I definitely felt there was something off about the 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 what was happening in the scene maybe it's because mm. they know it's they're not actually she's not actually dying you know like there's there's always that element of if someone fake dies, the other actors don't act their heart out because they're also like, oh, it's right. not real, you know? So, so you know it's going to resolve itself in that sense that she'll be freed, or in this case, it's not actually her. Yeah. So you're looking for some other uh, deeper resolution, and, and in, in this case, it's Odo professing his love for her. Yeah. Um, and I just, I don't know. It didn't do much for me. I'm I'm totally fine with Odo having a crush on Kira. I like mm-hmm. that actually. Mm-hmm. And that being I mean, he's showed it before when the entire um when the Defiant was getting attacked by the Jemadar, he he grabbed Kira and flew off with her. Like he didn't care about anyone else. And there is an element of him just only caring about Kira really. Like Kira yeah. almost is the only thing holding him to the solids. The solids, yeah. yeah. Um, I can see where Iris Stephen Bear is taking this. Uh, I'm I'm assuming that 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 um, he'll have to make a decision between Kira and and uh, the shapeshifters eventually. Yeah, and I liked that idea of you know where he says I love you and then she says I love you back and he's like that's wrong, and I think that's that's interesting like that being as like um. The thing that poisons um, or makes him realize that this is all just fake. Mm-hmm. You know, that I think that's kind of interesting. That he knows that she doesn't love him. Yeah. And, but for him, it doesn't. It almost doesn't matter. You know, it's like I love her. Yeah. And I'm willing to never have it reciprocated. Uh, in, in on a pure craft level, I I like that. Um, there were hints before that that it wasn't uh, Kira. So he asked her questions like, um, you know, this isn't the toughest situation we've ever been in. And she says, basically, oh, she goes, yes, it is. Or, or she can't think of three tougher. Let me, let me yes, explain. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. can't think of three other examples. It's because she's not Kira. That's why. Like there, yeah. when you, when you think back on, on uh, there's one or two other things that she says that just doesn't make sense for her to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we all have to realize though that the main takeaway from this is just don't split up with someone on a random moon. Because <laughs> that's the safest thing to do, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's good to have the changelings come back and and have you realize that they're. There's, they're figuring things out. They're mm. doing stuff. Don't count them out yet, you know? 
it's important to have those like seeds of creepiness because otherwise it just like right now for most of the rest of the season mm. they've just been operating as if everything's normal right like it hasn't seemed like anything's that different about deep space nine yeah so so yeah um it's important to have those moments but yeah i, I felt that there, there was something off i can't mm. really put my finger about on it but there was something off about the the relationship yeah but I do feel like Kira did a much, or Nana Visitor did a much better acting job. She was more upset in this one than she was when Braille was uh, dying. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, Nana Visitor and Rene Aubergenois, they really seem to have a great connection. And that, I mm. think, is what enabled her to reach some kind of deeper emotional levels in this episode. As we saw with Avery Brooks and the actor playing uh, Nog, yeah. Yeah, and that, that also was a great moment, too. You know, sometimes they work best with other members of the st- the regular cast than mm. with a random, you know, co-star or something like that. Mm. So, so yeah, I mean, the Nog one was great. Um, the Kira Oda one could have been better, but overall, I, I say it was a good episode. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah definitely worth it for Nog. And, uh, yeah, but apart from that, do you have anything further you want to mention? No, that, no, I think we've covered everything. Oh, I'm curious, though. So what did people think of this episode on the whole? You said that they, they didn't like the crystal? Oh, I mean, the, the actors hated the crystal. They thought it looked really terrible. Mm. And the, the, apparently the set designers were, like, constantly going, um, they just hated how it looked. They were like, this is the worst thing. <laughs> and a visitor who has claustrophobia hated it. She has claustrophobia? Yeah. Oh. Uh, she, when she did the second skin episode, she was like having panic attacks all the time because of all the makeup. And uh, so she had a lot of trouble with this episode too. Mm. And they, it just didn't look like a crystal. It looked like a gray. It looked like rubber. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, although, I still I still like the way it looked though. For, you know, I thought it was pretty good. I thought the the caves, the individual caves themselves look great, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean everyone um I think in general everyone really liked the Nog subplot. I think that mm. was a uh, And someone mentioned, you know, of of the three young people on Star Trek and uh DS9, like Wesley, Jake, and Nog. Nog is the one who's most likely going to be in Starfleet hmm. uh, because Jake has already said he doesn't want to go to Starfleet. Yeah. And Wesley, like, totally flamed out of Starfleet. And it's ironic that, you know, the hmm. Ferengi is the one who's most, who's, who's most suited for it. And I think it's, it's always good when you have characters operating against type or doing the opposite of what you think they're going to do. I'm very excited to see Nog in Starfleet now, and I yeah. hope he gets in. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we are going to uh, finish off, unless you have anything further to say. Nope. So if you have any questions, concerns, or emails, please email us at rrds9podcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe and rate us on iTunes and Google Play and all that stuff. And uh, thanks for listening and have a great week.